Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books and Great Homeschool Conventions. We, we start about female characters. Well, yeah, because she's this mom is saying that um, her daughters are really into the more dressing like Diana, Diane, nice. and, and those kinds of things. And so she's like, well, is this what my daughter should be doing? Yes. The, the fighting ones. <laughs> so we're talking about female characters, I guess. I think that. so. I think we should do okay, it again. Talking about female characters. We've <clears throat> done this a little bit before, but daughters who like Diana specifically. Mm-hmm. The, the issue in these situations, the question being like imitative behavior, right? Yeah, exactly. And saying if, if Diana is a warlike woman is that something yeah. that, that she's a huntress she's a huntress should we be shooting for the good good shooting <laughs> 16 year olds yeah sure with- i mean this is one of those things that it's a, it's a fine line but you have it really is a fine line but if diana is specifically coming from the boone family right so she's a descendant of good old daniel boone yeah and she is a huntress she's named for the huntress and that's kind of the point of what she's doing she does in the story, she's she's quite feminine. She's not butch at all. She's, you know, she's the way she carries herself, the way she comports Interacts. herself. Yeah, she's fully feminine. And the issue is you do not want people to start despising their, you know, their place in the world that God's given them, whether that's their their family, uh, just what they've been born with, uh, gender, etc. So you don't want a guy to hate being a guy. You don't want to, you don't want characters that help your daughters hate being female. But you also do want characters who push your kids in uh, exploring what it means to be strong and courageous and faithful in their place and with their gifts. So if you go through scripture as you should, if you read the Old Testament as you should, you have lots of examples of bad female characters. And you have examples of good female characters. And one of the things you don't see very much is the docile female character. So you don't see the Victorian woman. I immediately go to Mary from Pride and Prejudice, the sister who's always reading books and thinks she's good. Yeah, so it's one of those things that if you have Victorian sensibilities that you confuse with scriptural sensibilities, then you have yourself an issue. And if you're trying to impose those sensibilities on your, on your daughters, because our culture has run amok so incredibly on this subject, um, then all you're doing is, is swerving your car into the other ditch. Just because our country right now and the, the world globally is hitting the ditch on one side of the road and right. just trying to live Megan Rapinoe and all the WNBA yeah, stars. exactly. Just because we are stuck in that ditch and we will not come out of that ditch and we're proclaiming it to be good and righteous. That doesn't mean that you should veer all the way across to the other ditch where we used to hang out culturally, which was in large part responsible for why we're in the current ditch we're in now. So it's that pendular back and forth that causes a lot of cultural swing in the first place. And so if you uh, give women fainting couches and corsets and try to make them decorative purely, uh, you know, like this is, it's just, it's, it's a fundament- stupid. Yeah, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of glory, right? Because right. if woman is the glory of man, as the Bible says, then the idea that glory is merely decorative misunderstands God's glory at a fundamental level. Yes. And so you have, you know, a century plus of one version of a ditch, a ditch about femininity 
And so what do we do? Well, a bunch of women who were sick and tired of being in that ditch helped careen our culture all the way across and into the other ditch on the other side. Um, you don't want to be in either one. <laughs> the goal is to not be in a ditch. Yeah, any stop ditch. being so reactive. That's kind yep. of a rule for, we've talked about that before, is that if you're just trying to write in your particular genre or write how the market wants you to or the opposite, you're not focused on yeah. good storytelling. Yep. Good and so characters. If, if you are reading books and your daughter's reading these stories and it's making her want to shave her head and lift weights and take testosterone, it's like, well, then you have an issue. You're like there's there's a problem yeah. there. If you are if your daughter is reading books that make her want to learn how to fly a plane, like I've got no problem. I, okay, what's right. wrong with that? And um, I was just over it. Someone invited us over. She, the mom and dad, had both shot a deer in the past week. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. My third grade, uh, my son's third grade teacher just shot a nice right. six, four by four buck. I think <laughs> absolutely bringing that meat. So this is one of those things that's kind of confusing to people because they have Victorian sensibilities and precious moments sensibilities and Thomas Kincaid sensibilities when it comes to women uh, and men, but especially when it comes to women. And so they, you know, they think that's holiness and it's not. That's how you end up with Megan Rapinoe. You end, you hang out in that ditch, you're going to explode across to the other, the other side. So there's um, nothing wrong about knee boots and a vest. Yeah. If, you, if your daughter <laughs> wants to wear a cool leather jacket, that is, you know, a cool leather, objectively, this is a cool leather jacket. This is a nice Amelia Earhart, you know, belted, cool thing. She wants to learn to ride. She wants to learn to shoot. It's like, she can do that while feminine. If she's imitating Diana Boone and Ashdown, she's doing it with, you know, with a big cute smile and a bouncy ponytail. You know, this is not, right. this is not going in a particular direction. Now, what it does is it raises the bar for the kind of guy that they could actually respect yeah you know it raises the it raises the bar for the kind of guy that they could see as a uh, a leader and a life you know a leader and life partner yeah somebody someone that, with a mission somebody they could bet their life on and the entirety of their future existence on that bar is going to go up that just doesn't happen to bother me right so i do you think for, my, my daughters have guns they're not big into shooting but they love having their rifles and they've you know gone out shooting with us plenty my 11 year old daughter really wants one she doesn't have one yet she's not getting one for some time, she thinks she is. She keeps holding out. Christmas so, well, she, she, she might get <laughs> one. She might coming. get one sooner. We usually, we've usually give give some kind of weaponry to every child when they're twelve. So she's coming up on twelve. But um, yeah, do you think we are just? Let's talk about the the sensitivity. It reminds me of this um, when I first heard, "Hey, Luca has transgender themes in it." I thought, okay, I don't know that I buy that. It reminds me of one of my students who wrote a piece criticizing the song row 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 your boat as being a sort of um being a, uh, something that was teaching you to rely on yourself rather than god where it's like an overt sort of moralism mm. <laughs> you know just kind of like oh yeah there's no reference to god in this and so people who are saying oh no my daughter is 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 taking this particular cultural trapping that other people have used badly or it's not even that because there's nothing yeah. like that with the leather jacket what's going on there when you read a book you're we're so hypersensitive you almost yelp when yeah you're you're almost you're letting yourself be defined by the other team yep exactly you're trying to be reactive instead of steering a course like steering the course towards what you know to be biblical and so if you want to know what's biblical and good and biblical femininity do not look to the victorian era do not look at any of that at all throw that away stomp its head on the curb and throw it in the trash look at scripture and scripture is a tale 
bloody and grim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a tale of really, really hard men and tough women who are living through incredibly complex and dark times. And you know, you don't get all the day to day of it, uh, but surviving in the wilderness for 40 years, like that kind of nomadic lifestyle, that was brutal. And this is difficult. Mm-hmm. The, the toughness required, uh, there's no delicacy here. Um, there's a lot of that. And you, you bounce around and you go through all these different stories. And incidentally, my sister recently pointed out to me something I think is pretty awesome is that Proverbs 31, usually one of those verses that people love to hold up as um, an example of a Victorian femininity, which is stupid on the face of it because this woman is trading. Like, she's, she's got some international business concerns and she's doing lots yeah. of things. Sees a field and buys it. Yeah. So, you know, exactly. And it's one of those things where if, if I came home from a trip and my wife was like, hey, I need to drive you by, you know, this vacant lot I bought while you were gone. Okay. Uh, am I Victorian or am I biblical? You're like, what's Doesn't the- matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay. So Proverbs 31, she's like, I realized I was feeling guilty and I confessed before God that I hadn't yet seen a field and bought it. So I went ahead and did that while you were in LA. Um, I mean, I would, I would laugh my head off and I would, and I would high five her. It'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> um, and if it was a terrible idea, you know, we would try to flip that field. We'd do what we could. But the fact is that- Mow it, list it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Relist. Um, but the, the point is that Proverbs 31 describes a woman that we've all known uh, is, not, we, is not a sentimental Victorian woman at all. Like we love to just kind of hit the, the happy spiritual words that we think we understand and we don't look at the actual details of this woman's life and what she's doing. And now the thing my sister just pointed out to me that I think is pretty epic is that I think there are, and I think she's right, there are some clear allusions uh, to Rahab in Proverbs 31. Mm, a lot of scarlet thread, huh? Uh, she clothes her house in crimson. And it's like, oh, she's, you know, working with flax in, with her hands. You know, she's hiding, Rahab's hiding the, she's got the flax on the roof and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there's some nice allusions from her right in, great, great grandson or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, right I don't, in I don't Solomon's remember, family line, yeah. Yeah, so I don't remember if it's great or great, great. I think it's great, great grandson. Yeah. But, um, but Solomon... Boaz, Obed, Jesse, David, Solomon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Solomon is, is in crafting this tribute to a godly woman is starting with his ancestress, the whore of, the whore of Jericho. Um, and, and yes, that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> so like, okay. The and NIV so, sanitizes to innkeeper. Yeah, exactly. And so then you, you then change it to clothes or house and crimson it's like well what that is is what that's kind of a a passover image yeah but it's also like converts her house like leads her house towards the god of israel um chooses the god of israel over the world around her and clothes her house in crimson it's like it's there's there's a lot of interesting things there now that doesn't mean that's the only thing it means this is the nature of of good lit is that there's layers and illusions and things but if you read proverbs 31 closely if you go read the story of Deborah and see that she celebrated jail, Abigail, uh, you know, like even Michael, like Michael who has her collision with David over shame and pride later, starts out by just openly professing her love for King David, while her father is kind of openly not. 
So the thing that's the thing that's really interesting is that Saul is the the best father in the book of Samuel. Um and his son and his daughter both publicly align themselves with God's anointed and go that direction, Michael being willing to publicly profess her love for David. Mm. And everyone um, else's sons have some struggles. David's sons, struggles. Samuel's sons, struggles. Eli's struggles. You know, like and then yep. Saul, you know, did a pretty good job with Jonathan and and Michael. But then he turns, of course, into Darth Vader. But um Anyway, all this to say, go read Esther, go read Ruth, and get away, as we've talked about before, get away from the modern, um, the modern translation euphemistic delicacy that is tiptoeing around those old Victorian sensibilities. So those, those old Victorian sensibilities get in the way of everything, including Bible translation. And so the story of Ruth is completely, completely euphemized. Right. Hot tip. Boaz thinks he slept with her. <laughs> like, yeah. Boaz wakes up in an inappropriate situation. Ruth functionally like honey traps him into marriage. <laughs> You're like, um, well, I mean, um, this is happening with us because you know I've got boys and we've been. I was thought I gotta get them regularly in proverbs, so right. I've been kind of chipping away. And there's a lot. There's two of, women there, right? There's a lot of adultery in proverbs. A uh, whole bunch. And as an eight eight year old has questions about it, <laughs> you know, and if you it made me realize, oh, I'm, I can dodge this question or I can answer this question Yep. about the two kinds of women that he has to be aware of in his life. And we actually used hot tip. This is something we did with uh, the Merkels, my older sister's family. I used the character Duessa from the Fairy Queen, who is basically Jezebel meets Delilah. And Duessa is actually like poisonous, like just poisonous. When you see her, honestly, when you see her soul, she's like a shriveled up monkey. Right. Uh, you know, and it's very graphic. Spencer's graphic in his description yep. of Duessa, but I actually incidentally stole that description for uh, Nemeyani in the Covers trilogy. Oh, okay. So uh, yep. it's very, very rift on Duessa. But with our kids, we use the term Duessa to basically mean the adulteress and the skanktastic woman. You know, it was like the woman who's just advertising in the streets, whether she thinks she is or not. So or whether she just insists that all men just not notice <laughs> and not and not care. She's insulted. She's broadcasting, but also insulted if anybody looks. You know, it's like it's it's anyway, we're in a horrible time period right now for this. Yeah. Of let's be wildly immodest and then be really outraged if anybody takes note. Uh, but anyway, we use the tag Duessa just to reference the skinktastic woman, the adulteress in the streets, so that our kids, when you're in the grocery store and they say, Mom. Like, is that a duessa? They actually have a word that nobody understands around us. So, <laughs> except for literate fairy queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it, if they said, is that a Delilah or is that a Jezebel about some woman in the checkout line at the grocery store? They, there'd be a decent chance that they would pick up on it. It would be some duessa is just far enough away. And then you could be like, yes, honey. Yes, this is a duessa. <laughs> yeah. So, now, how do you now? Shh, we're going to talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, she's being a duessa. It's sad. Her dad did a bad job. You know, this is the whatever. But you you have that. So the point is, in culture right now, look at the scriptural characters. Don't look at Elsie Dinsmore, the horrible sentimentality that's come out of so much of Western Christianity post-Victoria. Um, you know, just awful. Awful, awful, awful. So Ruth snuggles up to Boaz. She snuggles up to him. Boaz thinks something, something untoward 
happened and immediately being an honorable guy, he thinks I need to address this. Um, and so they end up married and the messianic line is preserved. Tamar. Hmm. There's a woman of faith. <laughs> like, I mean, yes, a woman of faith right there. That is Tamar. And yes, you might find it indelicate, but she preserves the messianic line. The stakes there were the salvation of all of mankind. Um, and the, you know, the redemption. So of the how world. do you, how do people, how do people lie about girls in books? Like how does an author lie about or lie to a reader they, about girls? So they despise, they can do it two ways. One is they can despise the femininity and they can also, um, you know, like demean it. And this is something that has been catechized into our girls forever. Just that their job doesn't matter. The being a mom, for example, being just a mom sucks and it'd be so much more fulfilling to be a bank teller. Um, You know, if you could just get into the workplace where, you know, the guys have to monotonously beat their heads on the wall to keep the lights on, to keep everybody fed for the duration of their existences. If you could get there, it'd it'd be so much more fulfilling. So you have one form is like you demean the calling you demean the, the true power of a woman. Now, the ultimate power of a woman is manifested in both Eve and Mary, right? She can bring eternal souls into the world. Like, yeah. this, this is the only place this can happen. <laughs> like this, is, yeah. this is it. So, eternal souls can enter into this time-space continuum through one doorway and one doorway only, and that is the womb. Um, yeah. And that's it. And so to despise that, uh, to attack that, to assault that with both propaganda and abortion and so on is, that's a, it's just a deep poison in our culture that, that women despise that call. So we hear about the, the hyper or anti-masculinity of our culture, you know, the toxic yeah. masculinity. Do you think that, that that has, is it almost like women have been more successfully lied to than men? Yeah. Yes. It's um, a, it's a, it's a. They've bought in a little more fully because the, well, I, don't I know. actually, I yeah. think it's, I think it's older than that. I think the women have been lied to and the men like Adam have not been, but are going along with it. Okay. I think it's very much the garden all over again on a collective level. So, so men have, will go along with it just to keep not having to do anything about yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you think about a guy with a, a, a wife or whatever who says, honey, I want to, I want to do two jobs. Can I, you know. I want to do all this stuff. And also I, I need to start bringing in a second salary. Like I'm going to go grind mm-hmm. and work. And the guy's like, yeah, okay. Like how does, I mean, I could buy a boat. <laughs> like this is, mm-hmm. this is, this is great. Or as a lot of guys have, I was like, okay, honey, well, that's fantastic. So I'll just stay at home with the kids. I am, I am big enough. I am secure enough in my masculinity to turn myself into a beanbag. Uh, and like, <laughs> And that's how it's always presented is like, you know, I'm enough of a man. I'm a big enough man to be a stay at home dad. Uh, and I have a number of people who have taken that route in my life that I fed those conversations and they all congratulate themselves. Yeah. We may need a trigger warning on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Just going to call Most... some, call some folks out. <laughs> yeah. So like this is, but if you have a woman who's saying like, Hey babe, how about I carry your end of the piano also? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're all working on carrying these immortal souls up the stairs. Yeah, I'm going to bring the these immortal souls into the world, and I'm going to be their mom and be this. Also, shall be their dad. Yes, <laughs> nurturing. But I was thinking, given that you're such a wuss, maybe I should be their dad too. Um, and Oof. you know, and given that dad is not carrying his end of the piano, uh, 
like one of the children, he says, you know, yeah, it hurts so hard. And then she comes over and carries that side too, or helps him carry that side. So I think women have, are the ones who've been suckered here. Okay. They've been deceived. And I think guys are full on participants. There's no question. The same thing with the sexual revolution where it's like, mm, yeah, we've decided that, that, uh, but dirtbag dudes have wanted all along is now liberation for women. Yeah. We have now defined this as liberation. The ability to get any woman at any time yep. with no consequences. No guy picking up a chick in a bar uh, and successfully uh, successfully committing immorality is thinking, this. I have just liberated her. I am liber I'm a rescuer liberating her. No, it's 100% predatory. It's 100% vampiric. It is 100% predation. Um, I can have sexual gratification with no commitment. I can have sexual gratification with no obligation, with no covenant burden. I do not have to give my life. I do not have to exchange my life for a woman. I can just sort of browse. Now, that's been what scallywags have always been famous for, right? Uh, yeah, they're regular characters in books. Yep. Just, you should recognize one. Yep. You can recognize one. That is, those are the, the Wickhams. Those are the guys who have been the scallywags forever. You know, like this is the destroyers. They're the male destroyers. And what we did in the sexual revolution is say, hey, chicks, this is true freedom. You know, fully participating and no longer resisting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also, don't worry, we'll murder the kids if you get pregnant. So that's, that's the freedom is you can do this. And if there's any consequences, then there's, don't worry, we have a hitman lined up with federal funding. And that's, that's where we are. So we're in a totally broken place, but you bounce back and you look at the women of scripture and you look at tough, hard women who would take no crap from a scallywag. And those are the girls I want to write. The ones that I want to hold up are the ones who are going to be completely immune to the deception of the world. The ones who are not going to sacrifice their virtue, sacrifice their honor, uh, because right. they've been tricked into thinking that that's freedom and liberation. I'm, they're they're going to yeah. see it as slavery. They're going to see it for what it is and, and basically making themselves a concubine, uh, making themselves a prostitute. And so when I have a girl who is strong and joyful and happy and uh, is doing things that are not things Victorian women would do but that she would fit right in with some of those Old Testament women who are going to have to be slaughtering animals and doing all sorts of things that are gnarly. The goal ultimately there is that girl in relationship. So if she's strong, if she's tough, if she's holy, if she has a kind of a holiness around her and a virtue to her, her strength just tells you what kind of a guy she needs, like what kind of a man she needs. And while it could be really tempting to lower the bar, in our culture to be like, we need to get this bar low because the men are not exactly top shelf these days. And so we need as many possible candidates. Uh, I would advise against that. Having your girls be strong, intelligent, confident, uh, but also seeing right through the lies of feminism, you know, the, dis the yeah. despisal of motherhood, the despisal of Maybe that's marriage. where we end this up is just how do you, so what's the hook baited with when you read a character who is making you feel bad about where she's been put as a woman. Yeah, so it's, it's all just Disney princess, everything. It's all just uh, follow your heart. You can be whatever you want to be. Uh, and you see this actually more in, um, I just watched Red Notice uh, with my kids. Vid Angel. Um, that should go without saying. If we watch something, assume. 
Uh, we watched Red Notice, and my daughters were on the couch, my teenage daughters, and there, there's one scene where this chick, uh, now, yes, she was previously Wonder Woman, but this chick beats up Ryan Reynolds and The Rock. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my girls are just like, oh, gosh, like, just hate it so much. Like, they just really, really hate it. Now, there's a twist later, mm-hmm. you know, to make you realize that was a bit of a charade. The twist. Yeah, the twist. <laughs> uh, the double twist. <laughs> The martini with the double twist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, anyway, their reaction to that is immediate. And I'm not saying anything. It's just like, it's so silly to try to communicate to these girls. My girls are athletes. And given that they are athletes, they know exactly that they know that they are women. Like this is, they know that a vertical leap for a girl is very different than a vertical leap for a guy. That a bench press for a girl and a, for a guy are very different that 400 times and 100 times and 200 yeah. like we've taken know. the idea that judo you can throw a much bigger person yeah. like that's been i don't know yeah. hyperbolized into yep. into this tiny woman beating up the rock yeah exactly exactly so the fact is that tiny women have destroyed men many times because men are idiots yeah <laughs> um but they have to do it without just saying hey i'm going to out brute strength you right um it doesn't work that in way in the bible you use a millstone and drop it on the use head use some use some milk <laughs> use some milk and a little bit of sleepiness uh use a little than a hammer and a peg <laughs> just go and she obviously jail was obviously quite strong because she put that 10 peg all the way through kerbam you know she yeah. was she was able to drive a stake like, um, she, she didn't mess around with a couple pre-taps she just no. did one whack <laughs> one <laughs> crunch whack and that king was pinned to the ground i mean she was probably used to putting up a lot of tents exactly to back to this, this is a woman who could swing a mallet so uh and was confident i mean i wouldn't be as confident can you imagine that oh, you no, see, yeah you're sitting over a sleeping king holding a 10 peg over his temple thinking you just line it up very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then you got to like, you got to get there. You got to get all the way in. So she did. She did it. And of course, she took the victory there per the warning from Deborah. But Deborah led the troops. Jail killed the king. Um, mm-hmm. She's like, this is, read these stories and know that that was uh, not a shame on those women. You know, it's embarrassing for the guys. Yeah. That Barrick, the, that the Barrick women, takes some, yeah, some blame. The, it was embarrassing for the guys that the women outclassed them so thoroughly, but it's nothing for the women to be embarrassed about. So the way that girls get tricked in books is but to, to despise the calling of Mary, to despise the womb. And that is poison. But just because you don't despise the womb, um, doesn't mean that being a little delicate wimp and like an emotional basket case is okay. Yeah. Like I, I just want to be a mom, but I happen to have absolutely, not only can I not fly a plane, I also can't fly my own emotions. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm just not, I'm just terrible. I mean, I'm just a terrible human being. And so I might say, I want to be a mom, but I'm going to be a horrendous mother. I'm going to be emotionally all over the map. I'm not going to be able to you know, I'm not going to be able to mentor and guide and disciple yeah. these little eternal souls with the fat faces who are sinning constantly and, and raising Cain all over the place. Um, you know, I think motherhood is like having a grove of saplings that you're trying to hold up in the wind and you are the stake. Like you're, you have to, there's no stakes. You just have to get your toes and your fingers and your elbow just crooked around them every way that you can, holding them there for long enough. And constantly correcting and pulling and pulling against the wind and all the temptations. And your kids can be going in different directions. It's like the wind can be blowing in different directions for different kids. 
And you have to have the wisdom to see that and to hold them upright long enough that they actually strengthen and you can you can start to let go and see like, wow, they're not blowing over. Like and pretty, if you're a noodle, that's pretty difficult. Yep. It's horrendous. So anyway, they can be taught to be envious and resentful of boys, like envy the role of boys. And they can also be taught to despise their own. And that's that cocktail right there is is uh really kind of the end of all of it. Like all of the different lies to girls in books and stories can be slotted under those two things. Hating the true call of of woman, capital W, the call of Mary, the call of Eve, uh, and envying the call of all the cannon fodder out there. Uh, my dad recommended a book at some point called uh, Eggs Are Expensive, Sperm Sperm is Cheap. Yeah. Um, not a Christian book, but a wise book. There's a reason why we throw men into battle like cannon fodder and why we, we have men go die and fight for the women. Like the women are the glory of a civilization. They're the glory of a family and they are the only place where eternal souls can enter into the world. And so the men are just. And they're building that space for, they're building a life for those. Yep. Like you said, the grove, the whole yep. grove is. Mm -hmm. is uh, this is the only place where an eternal soul can, well, an undying eternal soul can enter into the space-time continuum and then there's the motherhood of actually raising them. And then the guys, like, I mean, we can go die and are just pretty replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, which is what we do, incidentally. It's what we're doing. We, all, we go to work. We're just heading off to go die. We're not going off to be super, super fulfilled in what our nine to five is. We're going off to, to try to, to raise enough money to incubate and uh, really patronize to protect and enable to fund the endeavor of the, of the wife and the mother. So it's like, we are the ones who go do the fundraising for the real work of the family. And yeah. that's it. I mean, like the real work is happening, not at the bank where we're working, not at the insurance agent, not at the rental car company, yeah, not with the, not out in the trees where we're felling timber or not even on this podcast, not even here. This is not the real work. The real work is happening back. Uh, where the image of God is being tended, you know, where we're all people farming. So anyway, all that to say is those lies to get women to despise the real work, but also to get them to envy the, you know, the boy work. Um, that's really it. So, and anyway, Diana Boone, I stand behind in Ashdown. She's one of my favorite characters. She has a strong father, which is why she's secure, but her father also has an edge like a lot of strong fathers do. And so there is enough insecurity there to make her interesting. There you go. So, in any way, That's, and plenty yeah. of people have plenty of opinions about where Diana should end up, but no promises. If you enjoyed this episode, check out Christine Cohen's newest book, The Sinking City. As a part of Canon Press's annual Christmas sale, you can get a special price on this book right now. Just go to canonpress.com slash 21 sale. That's canonpress.com slash 21 sale.